Victory Club memberships presented by Lexus are available now for the 2022-23 Dallas Stars season. Beyond season tickets, Victory Club honors the most devoted and loyal Stars fans with members-only experiences, unbeatable flexibility, and personalized customer service. Members also receive unique benefits, such as discounts on Stars merchandise and general concessions, plus an exclusive member gift selection and more. Learn how you can become a member today at DallasStars.com slash Victory Club. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Hello, friends. Welcome to a tradition unlike any other, the Podman Rush on DallasStars.com and wherever you consume your podcast addiction. I'm Daryl Ray, along with the Hall of Tamer, <laughs> Sir Mike Heike. Hello. And w- w- what a leaderboard of hot topics we have for you today. Uh, I'm draped in, in Vineyard Vines by Jim Nance. I have a bottle of the calling open and breathing and a notebook full of corny turn of phrase to pepper the pod with here today. Thanks for joining us. Right off the top, what is or was the Augusta National of Hockey? Are you asking me? Is that your dramatic silence, Mike? Or oh, I, I was—I thought you were going. Forward. I already introduced you for crying out I know, loud. I know. I said hello. Um, I think it was a Montreal Forum. Of course it I mean, was. Don't yeah. think it was. No, it, it was. was. You know what was so? We were so lucky to be up there for the uh, torch passing and all of that. Um, and then back in the day when we used to go in the locker room t- to sit on a bench that uh, Rocket rooms. Richard sat on, or or any of the the great Canadians dressing rooms, dressing rooms. Um, you know, no it's locks. it was just great. It it was a it was a wonderful place, and we've seen a lot of great buildings. I mean, I, I really. I love Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, I love Boston Gardens. The odd, the odd was silly, but great. Um, but yeah, the Forum, it was it. Yes, the the Forum in Montreal, circa nineteen eighties and early nineties. It, it was so formal. The patrons, suit and tie, respect. Uh, Roger Doucette was singing the anthem. And that was like, that was like when they bring the old goats out to hit the first ball in the morning at the Masters, yeah. <laughs> you know, just to get it started. Uh, that's how things always started. That red paint was like Augusta green paint. Yep. Just meticulous on all the old iron in the building. Just, and then the, the history, the legends, the meaning to guys that played there. Man, Saturday night at the Forum on Hockey Night in Canada was Sunday at the Masters. Yeah. It just it just was. And uh, unfortunately, buildings don't last like golf courses do. And even, even the Masters, I mean, they're running out of real estate to try to lengthen that thing. I was listening yeah. this morning, and they were talking about, you know, moving this one back, and then they didn't want to build a retaining wall because it was affecting another green. I mean, they've got a finite amount of real estate there and the players just get longer and stronger uh and on the hockey side of things with the forum it was 
it was just became antiquated and they needed a new arena. But man, what a cathedral that was. I, awesome. I kind of feel sorry for the younger broadcasters, writers, you know, because we have a few in in our midst who don't know anything about this stuff. But like we would go to a building and there would be history there from the 20s or 30s. Mm-hmm. And you just I mean, now it's history from, you know, the 90s. I know. Oh my God. Can you believe this building was around in the 90s? Oh, my God. They need a new one here. It was born. Right. It, it was built in the in the early aughts. That's right. <laughs> I remember my first game I ever got called up to in the National Hockey League was at the Montreal Forum. And I had to fly from Western Canada to Montreal. And, and I mean, there were no team services guys back then. You just, there's going to be a ticket for you at the airport and then go to the rink. That's all they told you. Yeah. And yeah I, they had cabs. The cabs knew where the rink was. I was 19. Was. Yeah, they spoke a different <laughs> language. <laughs> Bonjour. I got down to the forum. They were uh, skating in the afternoon. The The Oilers were all hung over and full of themselves and flying. And I was just like, oh, my God, what, what am I doing? It's my favorite building on planet Earth and the Stanley Cup champions. Here we go. And uh, I walk in, and they had it set up. But Ted Green comes up to me, and he's just absolutely livid. And drills me in the shoulder as he he would often do and he's like where the hell have you been and i was just like oh my god and i you know scrambling i'm like i i i i got in a cab i i didn't know i didn't know how to get into the building because it took me a while to get in the building because they were just kind of looking at me like of course you're from uh edmonton orders they're on the ice and uh he played it up for a little while and that and then uh, they welcomed me and uh, finished up their practice. And I think Furzy was hurt at the time. So it was Moger out there. And then uh, we, had a, we had a team meeting after the practice that day. That's all I'll tell you about that. <laughs> all right, to uh, the stars. Uh, did you still have your love of Dryden at the time? Oh, my God, did I have my love of Dryden. So I would think it was at its heyday, and you're standing in the place where he made yeah, his warm name. Up, warm up the next night was, was surreal. Yeah, I can imagine It was just absolutely you. surreal. You know, I skated around. Warm, I mean, Larry Robinson was playing for the Habs. Yeah. And I'm skating around. I was just like, oh, my God. And then every corner of that rink, I'd be like, I remember that play. I remember that play. Mm-hmm. This is where Dryden stood. Blah, 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 blah. And it was just it's a blur. Of, that's great. That's what, I mean, it's funny because we have the kids who come up now and have their excitement in Minnesota or wherever it may be. Yeah, I didn't get a lap or anything like that. No, no, I, I know. But just for you to stand there, you know, and and <laughs> soak in the aura of Ken Dryden, who was on your bedroom wall or whatever, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. So were the Charlie's Angels, though. So Man, that's true. Yeah. And the Ferrari or whatever you had. Anyway, Lamborghini. Lamborghini. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Kuntash. <laughs> Trying to get to the stars here. Uh, last night uh, was NASA night uh, at American Airlines Center, which was kind of fun. So uh, with the stars, with the Celestials, where are we? Where are we? We being the stars. I know they're in a playoff spot. Right because, now they are. <laughs> because they are perpetually one goal better than most of the teams that are not in a playoff spot, and they have been saved by absolutely unconscious goaltending when facing many of the going-to-be playoff teams. 
That's that's a blanket statement, Mike. Yes, is what that is. A lot of and other stuff right. has gone on, but that that is what's going on. And look, I I think it is a spectacular attribute for a team to have to be able to win by one. Just keep winning by one. That's all you need to do. Just be one better than these teams that you're playing. And then when you are outclassed, perhaps, by some of the upper echelon teams, that's what goaltending's for. Goaltending and special teams. and That's the thing. We'll talk about the Stars' power play, but uh, maybe I'll package it until then. But here, I'll, I'll throw this at you and then let you go. 13 of the first 35 games this season were played against what are now non-playoff teams. 13 of the last 22 have been played against non-playoff teams. Yeah. So they're, they are, they're able to play teams that you look at at the beginning of the game and you're like, yeah, no, you, you should be better than them. Not a lot better, but better consistently, and they have been. I agree with that. And it's funny that the consistency was a big thing we all groused about in the early season. Mm-hmm. And and they kind of are consistent now. I mean, yeah, it, you know. Oh, it, yeah. It goes from game to game and it goes from period to period. and But they are what they are. Uh, I think Jake has been a huge part of that uh, because he does. He, he smooths off the rough edges. Um, but they're getting... You know, the, the top line slowed down a little bit, but then the other guys have picked up a little bit too. And so what they are is kind of what they are, and what they are can win. And well, can what win a philosopher you are. I know, but it, it's it's kind of what you said. It's it's they do just enough to win. And I don't think they try to do just enough to win, but when their backs get pushed to the wall, you see them, I don't want to say try harder, but they they rise to the occasion. Yeah, that's a good and, and way then, of putting it. And then when they have a two-goal lead, they kind they of blow let, it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't think they're intentionally trying to do these things, but they find the middle quite a bit. Yeah, they, they live a life on the margins. Yeah. That's what this group does. But isn't it interesting that, that uh, the things that we were uh, pounding with our fist early in the season – you know, everybody was just apoplectic about yeah. the lines and line changes and juggling. And, man, it, I mean, they have to change a little bit because of illness and injury and that. But for the most part, the lines have kind of been the lines for a while. Yeah. And the consistency that was elusive in the first three months of the season has been pretty consistent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that that's wonderful. The, the really good is they should probably already have or boast three 30-goal scores. It'll be the first time since Ben, who scored 41, and then Sagan and Spezza scored 33 in 2015-16, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's a long time ago now. Yeah. It's a different era, really, of this. And uh, uh, Stinky Star's power play is holding things up. Because that that is Joe's domain, and Joe's at twenty five and has squandered a boatload full of of scoring opportunities yes. that he usually drills into the upper or tips uh, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, well, no, but more so, it's the yeah. You're right, man. But he he's, he's, he's also a, had some great tips that just haven't gone where they're supposed yeah. to. Yeah, but he he's been a guy who just tucks pucks upstairs on 
all these goaltenders. Works on it. That's why. Yeah. And maybe the lack of practice time has affected that a little bit, even for uh, you know a 37 year old future Hall of Famer. But uh, yeah, he should have 30 right now. Just in the last five games, he should have scored five <laughs> more goals. <laughs> Poor Joe. Uh, and and uh, the once fearsome power play is absolutely feckless now, and that's a big, big bad. They can't get out of this rut they're in with it. I, th- I suggested in the press box last night that, that the opposition should just challenge every goal no matter what because that starts going the power play and takes all the momentum of that goal away. <laughs> they score a goal, you know, it gets challenged, they go on the power play, and then they just lose all potential momentum that they gain from scoring a goal. Man, Does that make it, sense? It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really it's bad. Certain, it's, it's not it's, just treading water. You lose all your momentum by going on the power play. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's atrocious. Like it's yeah. rancid right now. They're one for their last twenty, and they allowed a shorthanded goal. Yeah. And the Stars' penalty kill has scored as many power play goals as the power play has. Well, on the Seattle thing, that's they were, bad. They were outshot six to nothing on I keep, the power play. <laughs> I know, and outscored one nothing. Yeah, and outscored the the. Uh, the thing that that I I just I can't get wrap my mind around is it, it it is the same over and over and over and over again, and some of it has been the same deployment. And I yeah. I get it from the coaches and their belief. I mean, why wouldn't you believe that they're going to get out of it? And why wouldn't you give them some rope? I mean, it, it it's been a top five power play for two seasons, right? But they they have hit this funk that they are they are just not able to get out of. Now I say that, and here's the caveat, and this is what I was speaking of earlier. In some of these games against top teams, when they've needed it, it it's it's been uber productive. Yeah, you know, you couple the great goaltending along with uh, power play. You know, you, you think back to the game in Colorado when Jake played out of his mind and they score two power play goals. I think Pavelski had both of them. Yep. And they're in Washington. They had no business beating the Caps probably in that game. And Jake played fantastic. And Rope scores two power play goals. And did, I, did they score power play goals in Carolina too? I thought when, they did. When but I, Wedgwood I went nuts? Yeah. Let me look here. I have stats right in front of me here uh, because I'm prepared. I am I am so so prepared, and I'm looking and I'm saying no. They went zero for three. Dang it! Yeah, but they did score against Edmonton. Remember, they needed that yep. one in the comeback. Yep, they did. There's another one. Uh, yeah. So anyway, at some point it's got to get better, right? And th- and then again, the good thing is they. They seem to be able to win without it right. consistently enough to stay in a playoff spot one day and out of a playoff spot the next day. <laughs> and that's the way they're living right now. But you know what's funny about all this? And I asked uh, Rick about it yesterday, and he had a, I thought he had a really good quote on, you know, basically we're down to, you know, uh, nine teams are fighting for eight spots, and the team that misses is really going to be sad. And right now the, the three teams are playing very well. And what is Vegas, six in a row, something like that? Five in a row, six in a row? Stars are like seven They aren't seven playing two. that well. 
I don't. I know, I, but they but they're rolling up wins against bad teams. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're taking turns just they, clubbing. They are. I mean, and and, and, and it, seals. It doesn't get a whole lot harder for them either. Their schedule's very favorable, so they could you know keep running off. You know, make it eight, nine, ten, whatever it might be, and then the stars are going to have to keep up with it. The interesting thing on schedules. See, I did my research as well. Is uh, Nashville has actually got a very competitive schedule. Uh, down the stretch, uh, harder than the Stars, harder than uh, Vegas, and you would never have thought that that Nashville might be the odd man out. But I would. They've, I mean, they've got a hard schedule. So. They are living. They were absolutely living on goaltending for a long time. Well, yeah, but then that goaltending does it for seventy, eighty games, yeah, or, but, or two or three years, yeah. and then you start thinking. Eh. Maybe All it needs to do, though, is just come off a little bit. And yep. Whoopsie daisy. And Yossi's having a phenomenal season for them, too. Yeah. Uh, the number one power play in the league is in town tomorrow, the Leafs. And with it, the league's top goal scorer. Here, here's a real razor statement with a layer, uh, unfortunately, of sadness to it. Hear me out, okay? And, okay. and weigh in after I state it. This is big. Austin Matthews gets too much attention and props for his goal scoring ability. Yeah, the dogs are barking. Yeah, I know. And Mike Bossy doesn't get nearly enough. Interesting. Let me close the door real quick. No, no, let the dogs bark, man. Let them bark. There goes Mike. Rounding up his Rottweilers in the backyard. Uh, my memories of Mike Bossy is he did a lot of this in non-spectacular fashion. Does that, is that fair? Like he was just a solid guy who could get to the crease, who could score goals from right out in front. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say garbage goals, but I mean, he was good, obviously, but it just, you didn't sit there and go, whoa, it was Guy Lafleur oh or God. whatever. Yeah. And okay. so, right. so then I think sometimes... You know, Joe Pavelski doesn't get a whole lot of credit as a goal scorer, I don't think, uh, because he the way he does it. Um, the, you know the thing? I love Austin Matthews' story uh, just because of, from everything I've read, he was a kid who they dumped off at a rink in Arizona in the middle of the summer, and so the parents could go both work, and he just shot pucks and played around by himself and basically taught himself this odd way of playing hockey. And, and I do like all the creativity that he has because of that upbringing. Hmm. Hmm. Have you heard the story? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't say that I've, I've gone, it's not a 30 for 30 in my head or anything <laughs> like that. But Well, he said he used to play on those little kids' rinks. Because yeah. in Arizona, that was yeah. the only place he could actually get ice. Yeah. And apparently his dad knew somebody who ran a rink or whatever. And, like, he literally would just go there for three or four hours, you know, like Canadians do in the backyard in the wintertime. And he would just think of fun games he could do with a puck and a stick. And well, I think northern state Americans do that, too, Mike. Nah, Let's not turn Canadians. it into just a Canadian thing. You're, you're such Jeez. a dual citizen. I am, duly. <laughs> uh, you. You're, I, I think you're right because he, what what he what he does with his goal scoring is not really like skill taught. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't feel it. It feels 
if it, it well here we started with golf it, it's a little bit like a golfer who just learned on his own like like Bubba Watson he's more like a Bubba Watson yeah than he is some of these clone uh five swing coach guys that just go out there and uh and they're there's just absolute slaves to the track man box in behind them the trauma box i think they call it on the tour where they just live by a club head speed and launch angle and everything else and i think he just shoots pucks to score goals yep which is a beautiful thing i agree uh, the, the sad part of it the all the reports with with bossy is that he's really ill right now which is you know they just lost that that the dynasty of Islander teams just lost Clark Gillies uh, relatively suddenly. And, um, you know, we were in in Belmont when they had the pregame ceremony for uh, Potvin, uh, for Jean Potvin, Dennis's brother that played there, and, and now you got this. But for 10 years with the Islanders, like he played a decade. That's what he yeah. played, Bossy, in the 80s. He was an absolute goal scoring machine. Like he scored five hundred and seventy three goals in seven hundred and fifty two games, and then eighty five and one hundred and twenty nine playoff games. Like, like when when you look, go into Hockey Reference and just look at the seasons for Bossy, those that decade yeah. for him, and it, it, it's it's stunning, and and yet his name doesn't come up enough as Ovechkin chases Gretzky and you know a bunch of these others Holly gets mentioned and Yager got mentioned and that but they don't mention him enough I don't think I agree and, with that and with with Matthews you know it's look it's Leaf Nation inflated and Bieber bumped there's there's no question like, he he's terrific but it goes up by what is it 25 to 30 percent better because you played for the Leafs definitely yeah no so, I, and it's, it's so funny because they're coming in obviously off that loss in Florida yeah and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like I wonder what the uh, radio stations in Toronto are talking about today yeah. <laughs> uh and Matthews look hey Marner took all the heat but they both take the heat come playoff time yep. he's got 13 goals in 32 playoff games so I think he needs a run <laughs> You are correct. Anyway, positive thoughts to to Mike Bossy, man. I yes, I love. Yes, I it. agree with he, that. So, five hundred and seventy three goals. What do you think? Five hundred and fifty of them went five hole. Yeah. Oh man, he was a machine. Just, yeah, he, he was. He just destroyed goaltenders through their legs, which sounds like some kind of a euphemism, but it's not. <laughs> uh, you were you were alluding to the Leafs and and what's probably going on on podcasts and sports radio in that neck of the nape uh and you wanted to talk a little bit about uh them and the oilers and i would add the lanch and, and probably the panthers they're the teams that have the most high octane attacks now the question is can they win that way or are they just merely what's an what's like a paper tagger a game sheet tagger are they game yeah. sheet taggers well, and, and uh, that's t tigers to uh, the Americans around here. Tiggers. Tiggers. 
Uh, See how I brought it back to the Masters with Tiger reference, oh, too? Look at that. You're amazing. Whoa, what a what a absolute tapestry today. Segway. It's like a quilt. It is. It is a lot like a quilt. So go um, ahead, Mike. The interesting part about both Toronto and Edmonton is their goals against are not, you know, what even Colorado, I think, is, is much better this year. Carolina obviously is. Florida, I think, has is, is done a, a much better job with goals against than some of these The Leafs teams. are 18th in goals against. Right. The Oilers 22nd. The, Florida's yep. 13th. Colorado's top 10. They're 7th. Yeah. And then and you've so, got, and then you've got uh, Carolina and Calgary that lean more toward being tight defensive teams than they are just this, we're going to outscore you. Right. And I think that's the Tampa Bay way of doing things. I think Tampa Bay is a great yeah, offensive team, but they also have best. That's why Colorado's moved into the top 10, whereas Correct. they weren't before. Yeah. And, and even back in the day when the uh, stars were flying, they were what? Top five in goal scoring, I think. I mean, number one in goals against, obviously. But I think what? they were, I think the when? star when in 98, 99. Oh, that's way back, Mike. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying the, the, the theory is you can sit there and say, oh, well, that's, you know, an offensive team. Well, the theory is you want to be both. You want to be the best goal scoring team. You want to be the best goals against. And, and some Thanks, of the best. Tips. I know. <laughs> some of the best <laughs> teams right now are that. Colorado, Calgary, Carolina, you know, they're closer to that. Um, Tampa slipped a little bit in goals against of all odd things, but that is what it is. But I guess my point being is we hear around here from fans who say, why don't we just go, go, go? Why don't we get rid of these defensive old people? Why don't we trust the kids and know that they're going to score goals and then that'll be a lot more fun to watch? And the reason I tell the fans is because that doesn't win in the playoffs. And you can look at Toronto and you can look at Edmonton and a lot of that has to do with the goaltender, but you know, they go, go, go. And then for whatever reason that dries up in the playoffs, whether that's the officials let defensive teams play better, whether defensive teams and goaltenders just raise their game. I mean, the history of the NHL is that you either have to be really good defensively or pretty good defensively but teams that are just middle of the pack defensively they don't go to the stanley cup final you're a real conduit for the fans and they're they're <laughs> fortunate to have you mike thank you you're there some for people them. call me a tool for the fans yeah <laughs> so the stars went into last night's game 19th in goals for 16th in goals against but third best in expected goals against uh, and their expected goals for marginally better than than 19th. Uh, but here, I've had this forever, and this, this is something that I keep in my back pocket. Well, I don't literally keep it in my back pocket. <laughs> I think I've seen it there. No, I don't. It's on a piece of paper in my office, expansive office at Ray Manor. And uh, it is the cup winner's ranking in goals against average and and i list the top three teams in the regular season and then where the eventual cup champion ended up in that category so over the last 14 seasons the cup winning team finished top 10 in goals against average in 11 of those 14 years and top five in eight of the 14 years the outliers were the 09 penguins uh, who were 17th in goals against 
And they, if you go back and look at that team and you look at the Oilers, th- there's, there's some direct correlations between the two clubs. Like they had Malkin and Crosby were nuts uh, atop the league standings and points, just like Dreisaitl and McDavid are right now. Um, and they, I mean, they had, they had a lot going on. They had Marc-Andre Fleury in goal too, though. And then you move on to the Pittsburgh Penguins of 2017, who finished 17th again in goals against. But that was their second of back-to-back cups, right? So, yeah. I you, you have to you have to back off a little bit. You know, they got everyone's best game the next year and all that, and tired bodies. So we'll downgrade it a little bit. And then the next year, the Washington Capitals in 2018 won the cup. And they finished 16th in goals against. But the year prior to that, they were number one. (laughs) So, you know. Well, and in fact, I mean, if you study that team, they basically said, we got to get better defensively or we're never going to win. And and they did. You know, like you said, obviously the the Are you missing my point or what the heck? No, no, I get it. The year they didn't win, they were number one. The year they did win, they finished 16th. Correct. But they still had that in the back. They, they had that. Correct. They had it. Right. It was part of their DNA then. Now it inflated a little bit because they understood, I think, that following year that it really gets real come playoff time. Correct. And they're going to be a good team, but they don't need to prove to anybody that they can buckle down and play defense. Is that what you meant? That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's just like Tampa. I mean, I think Tampa got a little grittier, and that made a big difference. And, you know, again, it took, took a little while, but, you know. So if you want to know, if you want to know, 2020, the top three teams in goals against were Boston, Dallas, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the team that won it, Tampa Bay, was seventh. And in 2021, the top three teams in goals against average were the Vegas Golden Knights, the New York Hockey Islanders, and the Colorado Avalanche. And the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning were sixth. I rest my case. The other interesting part of all this is, is uh, I think Tampa's a great example of, yes, they fly, but like, especially when the Stars played them, they were one of the most buckle-down teams in games, whatever that was, five and six, uh, where their best skilled players were all playing defense. And so, again, you have to weave it into your DNA like you weave in the uh, segues and everything. Mm. Uh, but so that that you have that club in your bag to bring it back to Masters Talk. Oh, my God. You're trying too hard now. I know. But Well, they also you, they, you should not lose sight of the fact they have the best goaltender on the planet. Yeah. And, and maybe the best <laughs> that defenseman, helps. arguably. You know, when you have to win yeah. two to nothing and you have the best goalie on the planet in net for you, it helps. It really yeah, but does. you watch them too, and I do think the team embraces that. And when they sit there and go, "We got to win," yeah, this they game. embrace having the best goalie on the planet. <laughs> I even just, I would laugh. I, <laughs> I would laugh, and it was true. Like even when you know the stars were were overmatched last year, and they had to play him a bunch of times in that. But there there were a lot of games where you're watching and you're like, yeah, the only reason Tampa won again was their goaltender is yeah. the best goaltender on the planet. 
And then he would use coach speak and, and I, I loved it because he was absolutely right, you know, and he knows all those guys. Yes. But he was like, yeah, for all the Kucherovs and the points and the Headmans and the Stamkos is not, they have the best goalie on the planet and that helps. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I guess uh, my, my point on Toronto and Edmonton is I don't know that they can play that way. And yeah. so then, then that becomes, I think, frustrating for fans especially in Toronto, who seem to like to criticize their team. Yeah, Tor Toronto's interesting. I'm looking forward to this game here. I think it has the potential that it could be a really good – it could be a dilly. We didn't see Austin Matthews up there because he was suspended. Uh, but it could be – it could be a, a, it could be a dandy, Mike. It really could. I hope it is. We Me could, too. We haven't had a lot of – we haven't had a lot of big – time you know punch it your head punch it not literally and that's my next topic uh but you know what i mean like just yeah the rangers just, game just well a little bit yeah. they, they threw started throwing haymakers and the stars kind of yeah, fell over no. but it was i mean it was uh no i'm, I'm not I'm that not one i'm another a different one okay uh okay i want to delve into the Ducks Yotes brouhaha from last week, Mike. Okay. Don't you? Sure. So this was right after the Stars had played uh, Anaheim two times in a row uh, and defeated them soundly 3-2 to two and 3-2 to two in overtime. And uh, their next game up was against – it was the next game, right? Against so. Arizona. Yeah. And the, the young Duckies were up five Cobb on the uh, downtrodden Coyotes. And they were uh, accused of, quote-unquote, uh, skilling it up and smirking as they were doing it. And Beagle, Jay Beagle, and the Coyotes snapped. There, there were so many layers to the wrong that went on in that whole scenario. Uh, but I, I didn't hear anyone bring up two things. One, the... Early '80s Oilers singing and mocking oppositions on the bench back in the day, which they did, and uh, they were just so much better than everyone else, and they were young and petulant and uh, brash and cocky. And the other thing I didn't hear anything of was Aaron Asham going nighty night in that fight with Beagle when. Uh, Beagle was with Washington and, and Asham was in Pittsburgh, uh, which was a, one of those nasty knock the guy out in a, a tilt on the ice. So uh, those, those never came up. What came up, though, was stuff that was said and what was the origin of all the junk that went on in the game and, and everything else. What did you take away from it? I, I've got something that's going to be – a a complete, uh, almost non sequitur of it, but go ahead. Let me know what your thoughts were. I'm getting to be an old man where, you know, and this is just an odd point, but the, the Will Smith slap was a slap. You know, this stuff used to happen all the time and it wasn't a big deal. You know, guys used to taunt. Uh, what what is your Will Smith analogy? Well, I, like... It was a slap. It's like he didn't come up there and punch him or anything oh, like okay. that. Oh, okay. Like, okay. I get it. And, it, like, some people are going, well, he should be charged with assault. 
And you're like, come on. You know, somebody insulted no, they, his wife. No, they should have been given derringers and dueled at dawn. <laughs> I would have been fine with that. Been very entertaining. But point being is we're, we're overanalyzing a lot of this stuff. Um, well, that's why we have podcasts, Mike. I know, and it's great. It's great that we can overanalyze this. And, you know, I think what it speaks to is a global condition, Daryl. Oh, boy. I'll, Hold it. Hold it. Just a second. The of our world are changed. Mike, I'm going to put my microphone down here for a second. You go ahead. <laughs> I was being just a little bit sarcastic there, Daryl. I, I think we need to get you back up and running. Uh Point being is, I think we're getting a little bit soft in, in some manners. And, you know, teams that are frustrated do things uh, out of frustration that, you know, might be seen as uh, annoying to other people. So that's just me. I guess we can go with the uh, dead air like the ticket does. That's, that's, that's like an observation, though, Mike. That's not opinion. Give me your full opinion. <sighs> They're a bunch of weenies. <laughs> Suck it up. Uh, get better. Go to your little house of 5,000. And and that's for both of them, really. It doesn't matter what the capacity of the arena is. They're going to be playing in house of 5,000 next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, I get it. Man, there, get- there have been so many layers to this thing. Like, like the Ducks had toughness and, and it was traded away at the deadline. And there's questions of whether any of that would have happened with that there. That's why a lot of look, yeah. look Colorado went out and added, you know, some yeah. some team cops to be able to make sure that their their skill guys, if they are skilling it up, uh, aren't going to get attacked for it. And uh, and at the same time, uh, Ryan Getzlaff didn't play in that game. Their captain, I got to think if if they if they were. You know, if there was any chirping or laughing or, you know, any of that stuff that would really drive a good uh, veteran pro like Jay Beagle to violence, a guy like Getzlaff might be able to grab the Trevor Zegrises of the world and just say, hey, simmer down here. Like, yes. Like, it's 5 nothing. We don't, we don't need, like, we don't need any of this garbage. You just don't do that. I, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. I just know the aftermath and it's been fun to listen to and follow. And it's unfortunate that, that, uh, Troy Terry had his, his face boxed in. I, he never dropped his gloves and that, that's, no. that's I don't like stuff. that. I hated it. I, I hated that. I really did. It was just like, really? Like, really? Uh, you, you don't do that at all. So anyway, it's going to probably turn into a lengthy, uh, debate as to how things like that should be handled in the future. But here's my here's my non sequitur. What I really want to bring up is the ongoing disrespect to Mike Leg. Okay. So Trevor Zegris scored another one of those goals, scooping uh, the puck up behind the net, and then using either I don't know if it's centripetal or centrifugal. Technically, force. centrifugal. That's a G in it. Is that weird? Well, there's two different types, Mike. Oh. Maybe your rural Michigan education didn't teach you that, but centripetal or centripetal is like is like the sun and the earth. And that force 
holds the Earth in orbit around the sun. Interesting. Whereas centrifugal is what keeps it pushing whatever that object is away to the outside. It's almost like concave and convex. God, I'm smart. Jeez. (laughs) You didn't even go to college. No. I barely got through grade 12, as we call it up there. Uh, it was uh, so, that year in fin. It was that year in Finland. That, yeah, it was. Really. <laughs> That's exactly what it was, Mike. Uh, but anyway, th- this play has been branded the Michigan. That that is like calling the Fosbury flop the Oregon State. That's a white hot Spoken high like jump. A true that, high that's school. a white hot high jump <laughs> reference from my lovely daughter Fallon. So for those of you who don't know what the Fosbury flop is, uh, there was a time when it was just a forward roll over top of the bar in high jumping. And then uh, this dude came along when he was at Oregon State in his early 20s, and he started going over the bar backwards. Yeah, just and invented it, the way. And there's not a person or hasn't been a person on the planet for decades that has done it any other way. And... It's named for him. It's not named for the school that he was at at the time. Right? No other Michigan Wolverine did that. No. It was Mike Legg. Why is it called why is it not called the Mike Legg? The Lego, the leg, the leg scoop, something along that line. The Michigan? Really? I agree with you. That's only marginally worse than the lacrosse move, which is dumb to the nth degree. Do you know know who else got screwed in this manner? I don't know. I'm going to tell you, Mike, because you can see that I'm, or hear that I'm absolutely incensed and fired up by this. It's fake fired up, but I'm still fired up. So Dr. Frank Job, do you know who that is? I do not. What an education this is for you today to come on the really podcast. And, and hopefully all those out there listening are, are getting something. They had, they had to wait till this juncture of the Podman Rush this week to get something out of it. But hopefully they're getting something out of it. So Dr. Frank Job is the, uh, do- the doctor, the surgeon, that performed surgery on a guy named Tommy John. <gasps> But is did he, it? Did he fix his arm? Is it Frank Job surgery, Mike? No, it's no. not. Is it? It no. is not. It's called Tommy John surgery, and nobody even knows the guy that did it first. It wasn't like the baseball player. Hey, why why don't you stick your scalpel here and you can cut in here and move it around it and then reattach this? And no, it was the doctor that came up with it, and he gets nothing. Um, what a know, joke. He got some money and some uh, probably a few uh, references. Some clients came his way. It's a sham. <laughs> That's what it is. You are correct. You are right on both counts. How can we change this? Oh, I don't know. You can't get the smoke back in the cigarette, Mike. <laughs> I've told you many times you can't get the milk or the cream back in the udder once it's been squirted. <laughs> It's done, and they've squirted the milk. 
He's been doing this for 25 years. He's been getting away with this for 25 years. But, you know, they, again, to, to uh, grab this into a paper ball, the, they say that it wasn't the uh, Michigan goal, or the Mike Leg, as it should be known, that set off all the things there. It was smirking and taunting and poking at their goalie in a 5 nothing game. So, anyway... That was that. It was, you know, it was, it was an interesting thing that went on uh, within the, within the Western Conference and and kind of within the division a little bit. Not not unlike this podcast, it was a learning experience. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll give you a final thought if you want it. Otherwise, we'll just wrap it up and move on. No, that's I'm pretty much done. I I do think that fans need to understand that playoff hockey is is a. Uh, is coming. Well, not just that. It's a style oh. of hockey, and I know it can be boring, and I know it frustrates a lot of these fans. But how is playoff hockey boring? I don't think it is, but they. I think they think it is during the regular season because the stars will dump and chase, or the stars will win a two-one game, eh? and the stars. If a player, a young player, makes a mistake, that young player might get a scratch or might not play in the final seven minutes of a game. And the fans will say, well, how is that teaching the young player to be better? And I'm like, well, because they shouldn't be making mistakes and they can't make mistakes once we get to playoff hockey. You know, Mike, all that cool stuff I said about Mike Legg, you just ruined it. I'm sorry. I should have just let you drop the mic. Here we go. I'm going to end it on this, Mike. You've, you've been a wonderful participant again this week. Uh, I enjoyed all your insight, especially into the leaf oiler conundrum that they're dealing with. And I look forward to seeing you around the rink. I believe we're embedded with the team again for the rest of the way now, right? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. We'll see how this uh, podcast was received. We may be out of a gig, too. So let's keep our fingers crossed. And remember, when you are going out, uh, your clothes you put on, and this is something for all of you out there as we get into fashion season here in the spring. The clothes you put on don't quote-unquote match. They go together. Herman Gildo Zania told me told me, taught me that. That's how you do it rushes out for another week dress snappy people and look lively until next week ta-ta you've been listening to the Podman rush with daryl razor ray an official production of the dallas stars to stay up to date on all things stars visit dallasstars.com or download the official nhl app today